Uh, we're continuing our series in Jonah, uh, The Mystery of God's Grace. Uh, one of the things that people might wonder is uh, a question we might have. What happens when I say no to God? Um, typically, we like to think of ourselves as, you know, pretty compliant, like God says do stuff, and then we do it. But, um, but there's also a lot of times where God calls us to do things we don't want to do. Um, and it's very possible for us to say no. In fact, one of the, uh, the first uh, major church fathers, uh, Augustine, St. Augustine, he, um, he lived in like the 4th and 5th century uh, A.D., and he was, uh, he was a crazy, amazing theologian, wrote all kinds of stuff. But when he, he was in his younger years, he was a little bit of a spitfire. Uh, he got his first, and the love of his life, his, his first mistress. Uh, they started um, sleeping together when he was 17. Um, and shortly thereafter, they had a son um, out of wedlock. The son's name was Adeodatus, which is the Latin for gift of God. So even at a very young age, while Augustine did not believe in Christianity, while he refused Christianity, his mother uh, wanted him to be a Christian, he refused to be baptized, he refused to do all those things. Uh, even at that very young age, though, he was still aware that God was real, and, and, he, and he knew that God had designs for him. So uh, for about 15 years, up until his early 30s, uh, Augustine went and sowed his wild oats. God kept saying, Augustine, I want you to follow me, I want you to do what I ask you. And Augustine kept saying no. No, 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 no. In fact, you may have heard his famous prayer, which he prayed, uh, God grant me chastity, that is, um, you know, sexual control, and continence, that is, um, you know, moderation. So get, grant me sexual control and moderation, but not yet. I'm having a great time. I don't want to stop. Um, and Augustine said no. And what happened? Well, what happened to Augustine is exactly what we're going to see what happens to Jonah. Because Jonah said no, right? You remember the first uh, couple services or uh, uh, talks we had about Jonah? Jonah, God's like, go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah gets, gets up and goes the other way. He says, no, I'm not interested in, in what you're doing. I don't want to preach to them. I hate them. Uh, they, they've killed and oppressed my people for a long time. The last thing I want you to do is, you know, be gracious to them. And so he ran away. And then you'll recall he was in the boat, and God's mad, and so God sends us, you know, the storm to the boat, it's rocking, and he's like, okay, guys, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. Just kill me. I would rather die than, uh, than, than do what God asks. And so he goes overboard, and uh, then God sends a, a fish, a whale of some, some kind of sea animal to uber jo- uh, Jonah to the place where God wants him to go. And while he's in the, the belly of the beast, he prays this prayer. So Jonah's in the belly of the beast. He prays this. Then Jonah prayed to Yahweh his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to Yahweh out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Um, And Sheol, we're not exactly sure what that means, but probably based on what Jonah says, uh, Jonah at least believes that probably the dead kind of go to this sort of underworld, maybe in the water, maybe in the grounds, maybe it's just kind of down there. And I I translate pit. um, Sheol and Shahat are uh, the two Hebrew words for Sheol and pit. And uh, they're very related. And so in a second, you'll see I translated that as the underground. Um, so, so he calls out, uh, in the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. 
He goes on, Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. How shall I look again at your holy temple? The waters closed over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the underwater mountains. Uh, underwater, I've supplied. The ancient people did know that the bottom of the ocean was like not flat. And so uh, Jonah's talking about, um, we'll talk in a second, about being trapped in, by, by an underwater mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. So he's going down and he's, he's seeing... You know, the, 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 the light's fading, right? And he's, he's barred down there. There's no way to get out. And yet you brought me up. Uh, you brought up my life from the underworld, the pit. Oh, Yahweh, my God. He finishes this way. He says, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered Yahweh. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, which is to you, Yahweh. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay salvation belongs to the Lord. That's salvation, that's Yeshua, that's the name Jesus, right? Jesus' name means salvation. Um, salvation belongs to the Lord. Then, then Yahweh spoke to the fish, and it spewed, it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, this is a very weird prayer. Uh, and it may not sound that way, like as you're just going through, you kind of hear this language, right, of like being in the, in the ocean, in the deep. and all this. But, but notice exactly what is happening, okay? Jonah's in the belly of the whale, and he's recalling what took place, right? So he, so he's, uh, he, he first calls to Yahweh. This is before he's in the belly of the whale. He calls to Yahweh out of distress, and God answers him. And what does God do? So Jonah's like, he's in the water, and he's like, God, help me. And God's like, oh, let me help you. He casts Jonah into the deep, into the heart of the sea. The flood surrounds him. All the waves and the billows pass over. So Jonah's like, please help. And God's like, I got a better idea. And just throws him down into the depths of the water. And I have a little video of what that might have looked and felt like. They're hard to get. The first wave I caught, I got pounded. Is there sand? Felt oh, yeah, good. Time seems to move really fast, yet really slow. Every little adjustment seems like it's in slow motion, yet maybe it's just your mind putting you through that because you're going extremely fast. Yikes. It's, uh, it's pretty hard to get video of what happens to you when you get tossed by a wave. Um, because for the most part, when they're you know, videoing surfers, they want to see them do awesome. But uh, we're lucky because there are a few out there. And that's one. Uh, she's a pro surfer. And uh, she is in doing big wave surfing. And if you're big wave surfing and the, and the deep gets you, it really gets you. And you can see, I mean, I've had like a head high or double head high toss me. And it's bad. That right there is insanely bad. She's flipping upside down. She has no way which, she doesn't know which way is up, right? And she's cheating. Her wetsuit has like a little like, kind of thing. It's sort of like, I guess, what you get in the airplane when the airplane crashes in the water. So she pulls that, and that takes her to the surface because she has no idea which way is up. And that's exactly what's happening to Jonah. Jonah cries, I'm like, God, help! And God, and then you notice, he throws him to the deep, but then he's bobbing up and the waves crash over him. He's down in the deep again. 
So then that happens. And then I said, so this is the second sign. God, uh, so Jonah cries out, God, God, help me. And God throws him, bobs him in the water. Jonah cries out again. Now he's bobbing in the water. And he says, I'm driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? He's starting to negotiate here with God. He's like, God, if you don't save me, then how am I going to go to your temple and worship you? You're going to lose a worshiper. That's what that really is what he's doing. If you look at the Psalms, they're always bargaining with God. They're like, God, if you don't save me, then who's going to praise your name? It's a true fact. It's not, I'm not making that up. That's how the Psalms work. And so he does the same thing. He's like, he's like, how shall I? And God is like, "Mm, yeah, I really do need that. How about this? And then the waters close over him. The deep surrounds him. And then he gets, uh, he gets choked. Um, he's down at the very bottom of the ocean and there's, um, kelp. I have a picture of some kelp here. Kelp or seaweed. Um, at the bottom of the ocean, and it wraps itself around his neck. And so he's being dragged up, but he's not able to leave because he's being strangled um, by the seaweed and the kelp. Uh, scuba divers to this day uh, have to be very, very kelp, uh, careful in kelp forests. There are a number of uh, scuba divers who, who die because they get caught up in the kelp. They run out of air, and they can't untangle themselves. And that's what's happening to Jonah. But then he says, he's like, I'm at the very bottom, the bottom of the underworld, and yet somehow, God, you brought me up uh, to life, right? So if we go right back there, go, go, uh, go back. Yeah, yeah. I went down, so he's, he's being choked. The bars have closed over him. He's blacking out. He's about to die. And then God somehow like pulls him out and breaks the kelp, the seaweed, to get him back, you know, up to where the air is. But it's taking too long. And so Jonah goes on the third time, right? As my life is ebbing away, he is blacking out. He's drowning. He's dying. And as he's blacking out, as he's drowning, he remembers Yahweh. And, it, and to remember means like, God, I, I, God, one more time. I'm trying one more time. And we're told this prayer uh, goes to the holy temple. And, uh, and Jonah admits, you know, those who, those who worship vain idols, they, they don't have true loyalty. I, my true loyalty is to you, God. That prayer gets there. And then the answer to that prayer is the fish, right? So he's down there, he's dying. The fish comes and gets him, and he wakes up, I guess, in the belly of the beast, able to breathe. And so then he says, I, wow, thank you. With a voice of thanksgiving, I'm going to sacrifice to you. When I get out of here, when the, the whale spits me up or whatever, when I get to where we're going, at some point I'm going back to the temple, and I am going to praise you. I'm going I'm to pay you, you know, what I vowed. Because salvation belongs to you. And so you, it's kind of a, it's an, it's an interesting prayer because twice Jonah calls out and twice God's like, and, and for those of you who've never been close to drowning or at least felt like you're close to drowning, it's a traumatic, it's a, it's a really harrowing, traumatic experience to feel like you can't breathe and there's no hope. I mean, like I said, I've been tumbled by a wave a couple times where I was like, oh, this might be it. Um, and, you know, in relatively shallow water, but not able to see, and just, and that feeling is like absolute helplessness. And then when God saves Jonah, by having the, the, the whale get him, he's like, oh, this is great. Thank you, God. So he combines his prayer with this radical honesty. God, you've been, you've been tormenting me. Like, you really have. It's your responsibility. You're the one who did this to me. And yet, at the same time, I can't say maybe you weren't right to do it. And I'm certainly grateful that you save. That's the uh, first thing in note sheets. 
Jonah's brutally honest. You can skip the uh, picture, yeah. Jonah's prayer is brutally honest. God terrifies and God saves. This is important because uh, you, you laughed when I said Jonah's bargaining with God. God expects that from us. It doesn't work. God's not like he's... God's not haggling with us. That's not how God operates. But God understands that that's a real experience that we have. When we are terrified, when we are broke, when we are lost, when we are, it's, God expects us to be honest about that. And we can even say, God, this is your fault. You did this. I called out and you strangled me with the seaweed. And yet, God, you also are the one who saves Last week, we asked a question, do you pray? This week, I think Jonah's prayer from the belly of the whale should be instructive to us. We should ask a question. You know, are you honest? I mean, when you're praying, I, I say it, and you've got to believe me. It is not so. Say there's someone who's in your life who's persecuting you, and they're unjust. There's a coworker who makes your life miserable. It is not wrong for you to ask God to hurt that person. I'm not kidding you. It's not. I mean, I, ideally, you'd be like, you know, Jesus, and you'd be like, oh, I love suffering. I would like to turn the cheek yet again. But that's not the reality of how we operate. And God gets that. God's like, I would rather have you be honest with me and leave it in my hands than for you to, like, have this, this burning, like, hatred grow up in your chest. But at the same time, what Jonah, he, he walks this knife's edge where he's accusing God. He's like, God, you, I called out for help and you hurt me. But then he's also reverential. He also remembers, you're God. You do what you want. If you want to toss me around, you can. That's your prerogative. You're the king. I'm not. And so I'm still going to be thankful after all of this. And in our prayer lives, I think it's, it's freeing for us to be like, God, I am going to tell you how it is, but I'm going to remember that you're God. Now, Jonah's prayer, uh, very interesting. Um, I have a list of all of the places where Jonah gets his prayer from. He did not compose this prayer in its entirety. In fact, what he's done is, he, you, you may not notice this, but if you look in your Bibles, and I've actually put this in the back of your note sheets, so you can check it, you can see what he does. But uh, those are verses 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And in each one of those verses, Jonah borrows language from somewhere in the Psalms. Okay, so everything from salvation is from the Lord, from Yahweh. That's from uh, Psalm uh, uh, 50 or 3.8, I think. I can't remember which one of those it is, but it's one of those, Psalm 50, 50 or 3.8. When, when Jonah says, uh, I was surrounded by the waves, okay, that's Psalm 31. When he says, I was tossed into the deep, I can't remember which one it is, but it's one of those up there. The point is, is that Jonah's entire prayer, all of his thought, comes from the Psalms. The way he, he, I mean, imagine this, imagine this. Imagine that you are tossed into the sea, you're being strangled by seaweed, and you begin to cry out to God. Would the first thing that you do be to quote the Psalms? Or would it be more like, God help! <laughs> um... I don't know if I've been telling some of you to go, but uh, has anyone actually done the Star Wars Secrets of the Empire Downtown Disney? Who has? The VR thing. You've done it? Okay, okay. So one, one person here. Uh, parents, if you've not taken your children to this, you have failed. It's super expensive, but it's worth it. 
especially if you can find someone who pays for you. That's what I did. Um, downtown Disney, uh, the bottom right there is the outside, so you can recognize it. It looks like a normal thing from the outside, but um, there's some stormtroopers there. Uh, what happens, you walk in, it's the secrets of the Empire, the hyper-reality experience. You walk in, and, and what happens is you and three of your best friends uh, or family members go to the top left, where you're given a, uh, a vest and a, and a virtual reality uh, helmet. You put the helmet down, and bam, you're in what you see in the bottom left there. You're in a Star Wars world. You're, you're infiltrating an Imperial base. And it is like the, mo- it is the most... I, it's difficult to describe because the sensory o- overload is insane. Like, there are parts... I know it's a video game. I play a lot of video games. There are parts where, like, the stormtroopers are shooting at me, and I was like... <laughs> and what's cool is you actually move down. You can dodge the lasers. And then, uh, I don't want to ruin it, but um, there's uh, a character that you may be familiar with if you've seen the Star Wars movies, and this character shows up, and, like, I was, like, I was backing up to the wall. Like, because I was, I was terrified. And part of my mind is like, this is fake. The other part of me is like, I, uh, really cool. Um, at the top right there, though, is a cutout. It's a, it's a top-down view of what's actually inside this area. It's basically a warehouse. And they've built these walls that are they're just a maze, really. Um, it's like a maze with only one way through. Like you're walking through this thing that they've already set up for you. It's all under control. Um, and in fact, I took my... <laughs> at one point, I was just overloaded. So I took my VR thing off. And I looked up, and there were, you know, there were staff people above us walking and just laughing at us. Because you're running around like you're like this, this, and you're hitting each other, you're bumping into each other, you're freaking out, and all of them are like, ha ha, those idiots. <laughs> What's cool about it, though, is that the, um, the, the virtual reality, what it does is it, um, it, it you, once you put the helmet down, you can't see, um, all you see is the world according to Star Wars. It transforms the world that you're a part of, like instantly. There's a, one of the first things that happens is you're like, shoot, guys, we need blaster rifles. And you walk into this room, and there's four blaster rifles, and you walk up, and you put your hands in front of your face, and you can see them, but they're covered up in stormtrooper garb. And you grab the blaster rifle, and it's really there, and you pick it up, and you're like, what the heck is going on? See, for Jonah, the Psalms are a little bit like that virtual reality goggle. In fact, not just the Psalms, but all of Scripture. Jonah, he doesn't see the world as just, you know, waves and crashing and, and, and storms. He sees God intimately involved in the world because the way he thinks has been shaped by Scripture. So when Jonah is thrashing around in the water, he's not sitting there thinking, oh, I'm thrashing around in the water, that's all that's going on. Instead, what he's thinking is, God is a part of this. Because that's the language that he knows, that's the world that he knows. He's been shaped by the Bible. And so when he's in stress, when he's in trauma, he immediately reverts to the the virtual reality goggles, the Bible goggles. This is what's actually happening in the world. This is how I should respond. I should cry out to God. I should bargain with God. I should ask God. That's, That's how this works. This isn't just a godless universe. The world as it really is, is the world shaped and described in Scripture. And so Jonah sees everything through that lens. He's so soaked 
He's a prophet. Remember, he's a prophet. He's a good prophet. He focuses on the word of God. That's like his thing. And so he's just soaked. He, he's like, not, he, before he was dunked in the ocean, he was dunked in scripture deeply. And so that's how he sees the universe. Which brings up a question. How soaked are you? You know, we live in a deeply unbiblical age. And it, it, it shows because uh, the way people operate um, is almost entirely out of, you know, emotion and random just, like, it's, people run around like chickens with their heads cut off. The things they think make no sense. There's, people live with contradiction all the time. And I, I suggest to you that part of the reason for that is because people aren't thinking biblically anymore. They're not dipped in Scripture. They don't, their minds aren't soaked by Scripture. And so they just flail about. If you've got kids, make sure they're in Awana. It's the, it's the start. It's the very start of getting kids to be biblically minded. Maybe if you're not involved in a Bible study, it's time to jump back in. The more you soak your, maybe it's devotions daily, get back to it. It's, it's not about like learning everything and figuring it all out. What it really is about is about having your mind shaped, your eyes changed to, to put on the way God sees the world. And now the weirdest part of this text, the one that answers that question, what happens when we say no to God? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read through the text. This is what I want you to do. Don't look at your note sheets. If you have, you've cheated, and you're not allowed to answer because I put the answer in there. So don't look at them. But if you haven't looked at your note sheet, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through this text. And what I would like you to do is I would like you to imagine that you're Jonah. You have, God was like, I need you to go do this. You're like, you go the other way. As a result, God almost kills you and a whole bunch of sailors. You then try to commit suicide by having yourself thrown overboard. God miraculously saves you and puts you in the belly of a whale. If that's your situation, I want you to ask yourself, is there something missing from this prayer? Did Jonah leave something really important out? Jonah prayed, I called to Yahweh out of my distress. He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried. And you, Yahweh, heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The floods surrounded me. All your waves, your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. How can I look again upon your temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweeds and kelp were wrapped around my head at the roots of the underwater mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, God, you brought me up, you brought up my life from the underworld, the pit. Oh, Yahweh, my God. And as my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Yahweh, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. What's missing? What did you say? Louder. 
Confession, apology, right. Hey, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, God, you told me to go save all these people. I shoved my fist in your face. I ran the other way. As a result, I endangered a lot of lives, my own included, and I wanted to kill myself. Maybe Jonah could just say, oh, I'm sorry, God. I really messed up this one. Interestingly, the, uh, the psalms, the, there's different types of psalms, right? There's the, um, the psalms that he quotes are all called psalms of lament. It's when the world's done you a wrong and you're miserable and you want God's help. There are, however, a whole bunch of psalms called penitential psalms. Psalms that, you, that, that give voice to someone who's done a terrible thing. An awful thing. Uh, in fact, he quotes Psalm 50. If he'd just gone to the next psalm, Psalm 51, that's the psalm where David's like, I'm sorry, I killed that guy and slept with his wife. I apologize. Skipped right over that, Jonah did. And yet, isn't it weird? This is strange, absurd, wacky. That the one thing Jonah's supposed to do, he doesn't do. And God keeps working with him. If you read Jonah, you're going to find out, we're going to go as the, as the weeks come, come, you're going to find out Jonah never says, I'm sorry. All the way to the end of the book, he keeps thinking, God, you did the wrong thing by trying to save these people, and I don't like it. In fact, I'm miserable about it. He never stops and says, God, you're so gracious and wonderful and kind. I apologize. I was wrong. I need to turn around. I need to go the way that you're... He never does it. Not once. And yet God saves him anyway. What an odd God. Wouldn't you rather have a, I mean, if you're God, right? Wouldn't you rather have somebody that you can be like, hey, do this. And they're like, yes, Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve you. God uh, God picks this guy. And this guy's like, and God's like, I can still get some work out of you. It's very odd, and Jonah never even considers. Like, isn't it crazy? He, he, not only is he not sorry, he never even considers the possibility that he won't be God's man anymore. Right? He's like, what does he say? He's like, true loyalty belongs to you, Yahweh. I mean, I'm your, I'm your guy, I, and you know that. You're my God. I'm your God. Whether or not we agree, whether or not I apologize, we're still, we still have this relationship. In fact, the relationship looks a lot less between, uh, of like a master and a servant or a, 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 an employer and employee. It looks much more like a, a dad who's got a, a really numbskull-headed 14-year-old. Right? And the 14-year-old's like, you don't know what you're talking about, dad. I can do whatever I want. I hate you. And the dad's like, oh, but I still love you. And I would never consider thinking that you're not my kid anymore just because you're terrible. Luke, this is for you, bud. Just saying. All right. Yeah, I know. You take advantage of it. That's not good. It's not the point of this sermon. Even when Jonah says no, God remains committed. God's grace doesn't stop. 
God doesn't say, I'm done with you. God says, if I have to drag you out of the ocean and pull the seaweed from around your neck and shove you into my whale Uber and spit you up on the shore, that's what I'm going to do because you're mine and I don't stop with mine. Now, Sauce Singer, no, she's. God remains committed to Jonah even though he never says sorry. Do you believe that God remains committed to you? Do you really think that God might just check out? If this does not convince you that God never quits on his people, what would? So St. Augustine, he, um, he said, no, 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 God, I want to be with my mistress. Uh, I want to party with my friends. I don't want to do this. And I know you're calling me to it. I know it, but I'm, I'm not interested. Not yet. There's this fascinating uh, portion of the confessions where Augustine kind of reflects back and he sees how from like, you know, 16 to 31 or 32 when he, when he finally says, okay, God, I'm, I'm yours. Um, that, that, you know, 14, 15 year period, he looks at it and he reflects on it. And this is what he says. He says, he says, I wasted so much. You, God, are ancient goodness and beauty and I spent all those years missing you. You didn't quit on me. You kept pursuing me. You kept going after me. And the only person I hurt was me. Because I missed out on the goodness and the glory of being your man. Wherever it is in your life right now that God's saying, I need you to do this, and you're saying, no! Well, God might, you know, send you to some dark places. He might. That's what he did to Jonah. It's what he allowed St. Augustine to go to dark places on his own. That can happen. But ultimately, God's not going to stop going after you. And when you finally turn around and say, okay, yes, fine. That's when you start to see who God is and you realize, man, I was missing out. Why didn't I do this 15 years ago? Why didn't I start this back 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years? Why did I go through all of that and miss out on this? And how crazy would the world be? How much different would it be if people were like, instead of just, just walking away and saying, no, I'm not interested, no, I'm not interested, I got this stuff I need to do, and then after that, I'll come back to you. You know, I, oh, da, da, I've got all these excuses. If instead people, if we just said, you know what? Yes, I'm going to do what you're asking. I'm going to trust you. How much less violence, angst, hatred, misery would we see outside of these walls? Would we see amongst ourselves? Would we see in our own hearts, in our own families? How much could we just dispense with if we would stop running? But even if you keep running, God won't stop chasing you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that your commitment is so firm. 
that your grace just doesn't quit. That even when our hearts are obstinate, even when we keep saying no, you keep saying yes. You keep saying you're mine. And I'm not going to let go of you. God, for any of us who are running, whether it's something uh, that we don't want to give over to you, whether it's some fear that we have, some uh, desire that we need to, we feel like we need to, um, to say, whatever it is, God, we, I, just, I just pray that your spirit comes and convicts us to, to stop running, to say yes, to say yes to your call. And God, I pray a strong sense of security for those of us who even though we can't turn yet, we're still afraid that we can know that you're not stopping. Thank you for your grace and the way that it chases us to the ends of the earth, to the the bowels of the ocean, to the belly of the beast and brings us safely home to dry land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.